Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hey, yeah, Anna David here with After Party Pod, the podcast all about addiction recovery. Fun, fun stuff. And the thing is, it is fun. I'm not saying that facetiously. And no episode better showcases the fact that it is fun more than this one. I'm super energized. If I was douchey, I would say I'm super pumped. Nothing against any of you who's use the word pumped to describe feeling excited and energized. Um, Just finished a conversation with uh, the subject of the interview you're about to listen to. His name is Amos Pizzi. It's not a fun name. I hope Amos Pizzi. I feel like I could be saying it wrong, but say it out loud just so you can feel uh, what that's like. It's interesting. Fascinating guy. We first started... uh, messaging on Facebook, he read something I wrote and liked it, obviously the quickest way into my heart, but, and then I Googled him as I am wont to do and was just, uh, holy shit, that's amazing. So he has lived this amazing life. He is um, from West London. His mother was the founder of the Women's Refuge Movement. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Erin Pizzi is her name. And when he was 14, He started working with Boy George, and though he kind of tried to almost convince me this is not accurate, he sang on Culture Club's first first album? First album, yeah. Then the family, his family, you know, he's a kid, his family moves to New Mexico, and Do You Really Want to Hurt Me came out right then. And anyway, he was tight with Boy George at that point, so then he came back and got this record deal, and... Uh, talks all about that and about what happened. Then he became pretty much the most fabulous person in England, which I think kind of makes him the most fabulous person in the world. I don't know. I don't know. I'm a bit of an Anglophile. He he did, obviously did not say he became the most fabulous person, but but he uh, there's this Guardian article. There's a bunch of pieces about how he was just like running with the crowd. I mean, more than running with the crowd, creating the crowd and living this fabulous life, which was actually, because he was addicted, not quite as fabulous, the opposite of as fabulous as it seemed from the outside. And then he ended up, we got married to this uber fabulous woman. She got sober. Then he got sober afterwards. And and he is as enthusiastic as being sober, about being sober as anybody I've come across. And really quite passionate about being able to share what people in recovery and 12-step programs learn with all of humanity, which as we know, 
suffers. We're a suffering group. Um, and as they say, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. I don't know, somebody actually said that and then they repeated it, I'm, I'm one of they. Anyway, um, he's a really happy guy. We're kind of on a run with very happy alcoholics and addicts lately, which God bless them. Anyway, we get into all of that and he, uh, he you know, he, he says repeatedly, oh, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to, blah, blah. he's so smart and sort of talks circles around me and n- n- more quotes than you've ever heard from spiritual leaders and just really, really inspiring stuff. I, I have no doubt that you will agree. So with that, I give you Amos Pizzi. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? super casual so yeah putting the message out there is is everything everything, right yeah so the so okay i will be honest and say that when we spoke i didn't get the whole breadth of you i I sort of saw talent house and i was at culture club and then i just read that piece in the the guardian from i think 2005 okay that's a really interesting piece (laughs) first of all it's a million words long yeah and second of all it is literally like I've never read a more fabulous sounding life than the one that you were living. But you probably know what was behind that and the I nature of what we're do. discussing because it, it alluded to it. It did what you said. The you darkness actually... and, and what was really, you know, the, you know, everything is highs and lows when you are, when, when I am not sober. Right. You know, everything is um, extremes and so the dark parts were very, very dark and I'm very glad that they're not there anymore. Well, because, mm. yes, it, you actually, of course, mm. 100%. Yeah. But my life didn't sound as fabulous if you'd written that. a story. No, literally, it's like all they do is uh. go to amazing places with beautiful people and every expense is covered. <laughs> and, they're, and and he's the most charming man who's ever lived. And all he does is like charm you. I mean, it literally was just like... It was oh actually God. really painful line in there where it really? said everyone knows but no one really knows what he does. So I, I thought that was funny. Look, the thing is, that was a particular period in time and most importantly, that came out of what we in the UK call Acid House, which is now called EDM here. Right. And and the house music movement starting in 1988, a club called uh, Shun, and also another one called Spectrum by Danny Rampling and Nicky Holloway who went on to become known DJs. That was kind of our 60s. Like the combination of technology, the Atari and Cubase Audio, right. which we started using to make records, which broke the stranglehold of the record companies because then you didn't need a studio. And much like people yourself now are doing your own broadcast, yeah. your own content. And obviously MDMA, right. which made all the English people because we're moody. I can't swear, can I? You can swear as much as you want. All right, so the English people are moody wankers, right? We're all off with each other. We're all VIP. We're all very tribal by, by nature. Right. And MDMA opened us all up, and wow. we started to meet in these huge groups, literally ten to 20,000 people in fields, um, all organized by phone calls. It was a real movement, and everybody stopped fighting, including the football hooligans. If you remember when New Order released World in Motion for that World Cup, it was all about ecstasy, yeah. love yeah. World in Motion. And everyone in England, all the tribes came together through music and helped each other. And these became 
Cream and the Ministry of Sound and what you now see EDC, which is Pascal's thing here, they're all the same thing. They all came out of a real desire for connectivity. So I think that article you're talking about, that was written at the tail end when we'd all become kind of DJ superstars and we'd all discovered Blow and started becoming idiots again. And it would right. all became, that article was about elitism, the mother bar I had, the Met Bar and, and the A-list. And, I know, you know, that's why yeah. it was so appealing to this yeah. really sick part of me. No, of course, to all of us. Come on, exclusivity <laughs> and the desire to be in begins when you're a child. It's pack, right? There's I guess pack. so, but yeah. I was just like, well, why didn't I know him then? <laughs> <laughs> I lived in England. I lived in England in college. Where did so you live? I lived in Cambridge. Wow, that's that's pretty. That's like oh, so country and beautiful. where did you go to college? Well, I so I went to a school called Trinity yeah, in no. no, 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 but not, not the one that at, Trinity. Yeah. No, I went to a far less exclusive Trinity right. Right. in Connecticut. Okay. And then I did a junior year abroad, you know, yeah. as people do. Yeah. And I went to a school in Cambridge that I, if I'm talking to a non-British person, I'll try to pass off like, oh, I went to Cambridge. Right. But the truth is, <laughs> it was an American school that hired Cambridge tutors. It's still beautiful. Love. Yeah, I loved And you it. were studying writing. I was studying writing, and it was, you know, the Dark Ages, and it was England, so I wrote my stories by hand. I love it. I yeah. love it. I mean, there's a real cognitive neuroscience link between writing. So I'm dyslexic, and I can barely write. I also left school at 10. So, which, by the way, both my kids are in formal education. I'm a huge supporter right. of the system, but um, but my mother writes three or four thousand words in longhand every morning. She's done it since I was a kid, and I asked her why when I was little because it's just free for. Yeah. And she said, "Because I'm a writer, so you have to practice. It's like doing scales. I played instruments. You have to practice. Right. So, I mean, I think that the process of actually physically writing is very different to typing or." Certainly to what we do now, shorthand and dictating. And, yeah, texting you know, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, because it's flowing from you. You know, that's interesting because I will say step work is the only kind of writing that I do by hand. There you go. And then, you know, it's funny. I had a, I had better series of sponsors, but I had one that I quit because I was too weak because he was like, you have to write 300 words on the principle of each step before we start. And I said, okay, I'll type it because I can't spot. I am just like, I can barely write. But um, isn't it just as hard to type as it is to no, write? No, because it's okay. spell check. Plus, you've learned through yeah. practice. Yeah, I've learned muscle how memory. Do it. Yeah, habit, habit. And he said, "No, you have to write a longhand." And I was like, "Why?" He said, "Because that's how it works." And I was just doing some fist step work with a guy yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and he was—he's the most thorough fist step I've ever seen. But he was—he um, was bemoaning it. We're in the middle, and he's like, "God, you know." And I was like, "Okay, but." Neurolinguistic programming, which is what step work is, right? Yeah. It's effectively reprogramming your mind through repetition. Yeah. You know, there's certain things we say, there's certain ways we behave. And it's that great saying, you can't think your way into right acting, yeah. but you can act your way into right thinking. Yeah. All of that is the same as sports psychology. It's all the same thing, right? As you visualize what you're going to become. Right. Repeat an exercise, sprinting, right. punching, tennis stroke thousands of times. Right. So it becomes default. So when you're placed under pressure for your sobriety, which we are, there's a default position. And the thing is that thorough step work is really the key. I mean, you're ahead of me on this. It's How do you not, know? I know. Oh, because I've I hand wrote? read all the stuff you write. I know exactly <laughs> where you are. You said something that I used yesterday. Oh, what? It's the human condition. Yeah. That's what people miss. It's not, okay, it's exacerbated in us due to our predilection for alcohol and drugs absolutely but you're right it's the human condition obsession yeah. self-obsession selfishness that's how people are yeah but and fear well see guys it's a great conversation 
It's all fear, isn't it? Yeah, That's all it, it is. All of it. It's just you know, fear. I'm because I'm on my you know ten millionth uh, time through the steps. That's not true. I, it's no, probably it's my good. seventh. You're I don't very know. active in it. I know. I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. And I never, ever want to look like I'm saying I've got the answers. But you don't. That doesn't come across okay, in the way good. you speak. I think there's a lot of humor to how you write. I think it's a very Thank important you. factor. I think it's so key. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and that was the whole goal with starting the site is, you know, we're talking about life and death, but we don't have to talk about it like Absolutely. it's life and death, you Absolutely. know? Because you can't reach the masses. You cannot make it approachable to people. Mm -hmm. You can't make people want to do it mm -hmm. if you're just being sort of sanctimonious and serious. Absolutely. So, but my point was, oh, yeah, yeah. So the defect I'm currently praying about is just fear. Because insecurity is fear. It's all fear. Because trying to control people is fear. It's all fear. It, it's... I heard a guy speak once and he said, I haven't taken a fearful breath in five years. He was a great speaker. So I went up to him afterwards and said, how do you do that? Yeah. I said, look, you know, I go, I, I think, let me get this right, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over, right? Step three. Yeah. That's the hardest one. Oh, yeah. Because that's the one you have to keep going back to because it happens every day, right? Every oh, minute. It's like, wait. Yeah. You know? So I kind of got this down to, we were talking about this yesterday, it's great having this conversation now because it's so fresh. Yeah. Really, okay. If if you distill it, and I like to do that because like, I'm control freak. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, where's the essence? Yeah. So for me, the essence of the twelve step program is I control nothing except my response to my reaction to everything. So my reaction is midbrain. Fight, fuck, free, feed, sleep. It's millions of years old. It's never going to go away. Someone jumps through the door now. We're going to go like this. Right. But my response is cortex, right? It's less than 120,000 years old. Architecture, empathy, compassion, reason. I can condition my cortex to see my midbrain reaction and right. look at it before I do anything. So right. we are training the pores. And yeah. the pause is where God is. Yeah. The stillness, right? Because long after I'm here, there'll be this stillness. It's here now. I'm just talking to it. It's yeah. here all the time, right? Right. So, this is why we're so drawn to yoga and all these other things that right. look into this thing. That, and I believe it's why we look for oblivion. We were trying to find the stillness. The gap. Right, the quiet, right, you know, right. I'm I, I'm there. Right. But that's unconscious enlightenment. So, if the essence is conditioning this pause then the whole essence, you're absolutely right, let me just follow this, this thought through, it's conditioning yourself to respond to fear. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I know, it's so, but then there's biochemistry, oh. which is different. Oh, totally different, and if this links to depression and other things, okay. Yeah, because yeah, so, so, so like last night, mm. say, yeah. I was um, meeting a friend for dinner, mm. not, not a sober, just a friend, yeah. And um, we were supposed to meet at 8. Mm -hmm. And then she emails me and says, how about 8.30? And I said, ah, no big deal. Then she calls me and she says, well, the truth is I'm meeting somebody, I'm meeting an old college roommate for an hour before. Can we make it 8.45? And, and I suddenly feel, not even consciously, slighted. <laughs> oh, you're just fitting me in. It doesn't okay? go back to fear. It does. That you're it's, not enough and you won't be loved. Yes. Fundamental two fears of all humans. Yeah. Yes. But the, and so mm. then, so then, um, I, I am, get to the restaurant at 45 and she's late. She gets there at night. She's told me she's made a reservation. There's no reservation. So it's like this one thing oh, after no. another. I'm completely fine. I'm sort of congratulating myself on like how well adjusted <laughs> I am. We sit down and then she looks up and she goes, oh my God, that's my old boss. I'm going to go say hi. 
And to my brain, she was gone 20 minutes. Right. How long was she really gone? I didn't time it. She claims it was like a minute. Did you have a healthy confrontation with no, no not at all and it's weird because I was like don't re- it doesn't matter this doesn't mean anything and I reacted well okay because then, then she came back right. and I go oh my god that was a long time or something like that and she goes it was just a minute and plus that was really important and so ra- I had expected I'm so sorry yeah it sounds like okay so again I need to stay out of any judgment here because yeah is a, but it sounds like in the first place it would have been a really good idea or suggestion to say hey I have this time with you. Yeah. Time was our most important commodity. For example, when I came in, I turned off my phone because I respect you because yeah. we're sitting there to have this conversation. Yeah. Let's have this time together. Yeah. That's one way of doing it. And then the ball is in her court to go, okay, I hear you and I should respond to that. Right. Sounds like she has time boundary issues, right? Which is, but, but we're friends, we'll see each other anyway, don't worry about it. Right. But I think you have a reasonable position there, which is I've taken this time to be with you. A reasonable position, but that doesn't make my reaction. Do you think that's biochemistry? I wonder. Right. I wonder. Do you suffer from depression? Oh, yeah, and I'm medicated. And yeah, of course. Like that. That's what, here's the thing. This is, this is a much bigger thing. Yeah. Um, I've family experience with this yeah you know the dual diagnosis thing i think is one of the big problems in the room is that people get sober but if you so somebody close to me is diagnosed with depression and in this yeah. situation i'm saying i'm gonna speak for them they're not here but when that happened they were struggling with sobriety and they could not stay sober i understand it now because you get physically sober but you're depressed yeah that must be like awful you've never so, had that i'm not de- depression is not my thing i'm a common or garden alcoholic i'm an egotistical maniac and I definitely have the fear thing right Right. that drives me in, in, in it's far more alpha in me I'm very aggressive about it and, right. and driven and buildings and you know but the truth is that that just makes me completely full of shit you know because if you strip it all down everything that I've done including the article you began this interview talking about yeah. isn't me like I'm aware of that I happen to be aligned to energy in moments and that energy moves because because I can't write very well, because I didn't go to school, because of all these things, and I'm a copywriter, right? I write lyrics and I do all this stuff right. has to be that I always knew there had to be something bigger than me. It's not, you know, I made music, it's right. music comes out of the air. I mean, you right. hear it in your head, right? So right. even then, I was like, this, even though you train it and you hone the, the ability to produce and write, and it doesn't mean shit. It, right. the, the actual stuff, like when you have a hit, where'd it come from? Not it's not here, you know. Right. Where's it come from? So the same thing I'm sure with your storytelling. When you're in flow with Party Girl, yeah. Where's a character? I know it's both, but it starts to come through you. Yeah. Right. So no, I don't have depression, and I think that for those of us, and many of us in the rooms do. Many. Like that's why it's surprising to me. I mean, you don't seem remotely mm. depressed, of course, but yeah. there are very few people, even who've come on this podcast, who don't who don't. I mean, I, I'm going to make up a statistic. I'm going to say two-thirds. I'd be with you. But think about three it. Three-quarters, maybe. What we're dealing with, when we, well, I believe, when we go to get sober is trauma, right? Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, trauma, everyone thinks about trauma. They think about post-traumatic stress disorder and they yeah. think about Vietnam. Yeah. PTSD is I was picked up too much. I was left alone. I was loved. I wasn't loved. I was hit. I didn't get hit. Someone paid, whatever it is, yes. especially as a parent, I know yes. there's an imbalance. Yes. Now, the extremity of the imbalance the extremity of the trauma so if you have to shit beaten out of you yeah. that's extremely traumatic if yeah. you're abandoned and not spoken to and left to raise yourself and it is my belief that when we use we shut off cortex and we go to midbrain right, right and right. start that's why it's gradual yeah i mean i always follow the same process when i used to drink 
I was very funny. Yeah. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Really loud. Yeah. And I had lots of people around me. Yeah. Then I told everyone what to do and how I knew the world should run. Then I got either aggressive or sexual, uh-huh. and then I started crying. That's probably a 12 or 13 hour process. Really? Yeah, you're like, yeah! Then you're like, I know exactly what's wrong with the world. Then you're like, hey baby. Then you're like, oh, no one understands me. Again and again and again, because it's all this. Right. right, limbic. Yeah, limbic. Limbic. Brain. That's a much better term for. No, it. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, what's fascinating right. to me is yes. that I started to get this degree at UCLA mm-hmm. in like addiction studies, yeah. and I kind of dropped out. But that's exactly what that's they it. talk about: is what you're t- the neocortex and the limbic. Because you're all shutting of that. it down, and the more we drink, yeah, the more we're. Well, you've seen all this because I've, I've done all this as well in the various treatment centers. I was in with various people that right. explained to me I'm a pretty simple guy, so they're like, "Look, turn this off." Yeah. Gradually, yeah. get higher and higher till you're just here. So when you wrote so brilliantly about being at the computer and not being able to move, oh, I've had that experience God. a lot. Where you're like, I'm gonna write something great, rushing, how line, sit there, and then what happens is, is you think, then you end up like literally, I can't fucking move. There's a sound because you're just here, fight, 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 our beautiful brothers and sisters who are addicted to crack cocaine or meth, they're just literally going like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. And I want to be very clear, it's probably going to sound strange, I'm not anti-drugs or alcohol, I'm anti-pain. Me too. Yeah, i got I'm no issue. With you, but yeah. But I think that for me, I don't have... I'm not doing it because I want to have a nice glass of wine, I'm doing it because I want to obliterate myself and stop thinking and feeling. Yeah, yeah. And the gift for me... I think I said this to you when we spoke after the birth of my daughter and my son, sobriety is the greatest thing I've been given. Not sobriety, the 12 step program. Yeah. American yeah. Enlightenment, right? <laughs> so, okay, so yeah. talk to me. So, how did you, so you went to many treatment centers? No, I never went. Just a thing, I went to help other people. Okay, um, it's very long, so you're going to cut all this up. I'm not, because every <laughs> bit of it's fascinating. Okay. So, no, I hope you're not, I'm not, I'm not making some kind of sense. It's, uh, I'm fascinated. Go on. So, I have a 17-year-old son, stepson, uh, since he was about two and a half, and a 12-year-old daughter. When my daughter was about three or four months old, uh, so it's a long time ago, I stopped using drugs. I had a, an epiphany moment. I was working on a record with a Moby, great record, a gospel-based mm-hmm. record, and I'd been out for days doing our usual thing. Cooks. Yeah, cook, eat, everything. Whatever right. it was, right? We, we were everything people, but yes. Um, and I always drank. Right? And so anyway, I came in and I saw my three-month-old child was with a nanny and it was a beautiful morning and I hadn't been to bed in those days. Yeah. And I had a, yeah, an epiphany. I, I realized that, that she was an angel. I realized that why Renaissance paintings are babies because they're just there. They're totally pure. And whatever I do is going to be reflected directly towards her and who she becomes. So I stopped using drugs. But I continued to drink for many years. And I was a very controlled alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I loved the term high bottom drunk. I don't know why there isn't a band called that. It's such a wicked term. <laughs> when I was new, yeah. Yeah. I heard about a girl who had a band called uh, Dr. Bob's Nightmare. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Isn't that great? That's, I just think high bottom drunk is such a cool t shirt. Yeah, for and, you know, sure. So that was me. So basically, I drank for years. It coincided. It was interestingly easy for me to stop doing drugs. I had enough, and I was at the point. Certainly with cocaine where it was uncomfortable. I don't know what your experience is, but everything that I've started, I smoked weed when I was a kid for years, and by the end I was just paranoid. Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing with coke. Yeah. The first 
six years it was funny yeah and the last four your face went weird and you didn't know where you were and you were like the thing at the computer yeah. and that happened more and more and more oh, then it happened all, all every the time. time then yeah. that's all that happened so yeah. that's the same thing that by the time I stopped drinking was happening with drinking is I'd have a few drinks and I'd be hammered and I'd be like and I now know that this is a depressive disease no, yeah. you got it and then I wouldn't know what I was doing so that took a long time so I managed or was recruited uh, in the middle of club culture and all the stuff that you were reading about and, and you know EDM and what we were doing I was this is the, the, the sort of God thing for me the luck thing if you want or destiny I was brought in by a guy who had become the CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi in London big agency yeah. worldwide and he came and found me actually in the Met Bar of all places which was a hedonistic place and said yeah. um, you know I'm going to take over this agency and, and we need youth market and that's what you do because I had TV shows running and various things and right. hit records and, and stuff that we did it was a collective of us and so I got into the agency and how this is relevant is when they built my building for me which was like this big it was an amazing job and they were like what do you want I never right. had a job right? God, I was yeah. like I'd like 20 foot speakers and they were like sure oh, wow. I'd like a glass thing and they built so it was great oh my god I had a bar built in my office with a barman. Why not? It was so cool. Yeah. He was over there and he was, you know, it was like people, clients would come in, I'd be with Procter and Gamble, like, they were like a drink, you know. Yeah. And, and it was great. So in that culture, alcohol was very celebrated. Yeah. A lot. And and, um, and what happened is, just to sort of bring us up to a point, I drank for many years and I came up with the concept of, of creating the world's creative department. So doing what we did in the agency, but doing it online and letting people in Russia and India and trying to put in up creative briefs and having a creative community respond with work, which is really what Talent House is. Yeah. Right? It's the world's creative department. And that was kind of what I was brought in there to figure out, how to connect with the internet audience, how to reach more talent. How to... And so I presented it to, to Saatchi, who were a great company, and they said, in fairness, it's going to take a long time and cost a lot of money. They were right. Yeah. They also said it needs to be on the West Coast. So I raised capital, which was tricky because I had no idea of what I was doing, yeah. which took a couple of years. And by the time I'd done it, we'd sold all our properties and all my right. cars, and it was real rough. It was good. Oh, so you put yourself... Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, so yeah. the Saatchi thing, you weren't doing it anymore? I left to do this. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was an equity partner, actually, in, in their content division. It was right. a big move. Um, but in fairness, also, the CEO is leaving, and he's a great friend of mine and a mentor. He still is. And, you know, I wanted to be... Uh, we, we had a good time there. I learned a lot there. But what's relevant to how and why I stopped drinking is, is I then took on this thing of building talent house, right. which is a lot bigger than me, right? It's, it's not like, it's, I'm just a tiny part of getting this thing going. There's a lot of people working on it. We have a division in India with Reliance, wow. uh, Talent House India running in Mumbai. We're just about to launch it in Germany with ProSieben, which is like NBC Germany, and they've invested. And we're talking in the Middle East, and I'm going to China, and then we're dealing with these fantastic groups, you know, the, 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 the Twitters and Illuminations of this world, fantastic companies, lots of them, 50 yeah. of them, Fortune wow. 500 companies, and so to answer your question, it's such a What was my work. question? Okay, <laughs> why and how, where I am treatment centers, yes. no, I got to a point, and I'm sure people understand this who have got sober, where I realized that I couldn't do both things, like I couldn't honor the connectivity with what I perceive as God, which is energy. Right? right and move see we're powerless but we're connected to all power at right. all times this is how you can do absolutely anything right. start a revolution change a government you know save a thousand lives this is how people look at me how did you do that they did it right. they did it because they plugged in Mother Teresa plugged into yeah. 
primal, right? Yeah. She just started. And my mother, obviously, I saw her do it. I saw her change the world, save thousands of lives, change laws, fought Margaret Thatcher, jailed, pardoned, out of jail. It's just amazing. So I had that osmosis of seeing it happen. So I got sober to respect what it was I was trying to build because yeah. it was disrespectful to be hungover and it was disrespectful to be talking bullshit in a club at three in the morning. I've done it anyway, <laughs> thousands of times. But that's so interesting. Yeah. So, because again, yeah. this goes with you're not suffering from depression, mm-hmm. whereas I think most people get sober because they sort of get suicidal or yes. whatever it is. But yeah. it's like you knew the whole time for you to have that that awareness right. that to honor what I'm trying to build, I have to be connected and I can't really be connected if I'm high on drugs. What's beautiful about what you just said is it makes me sound like Buddha. Let me be clear. (laughs) If you go back 10 years before that when the article was that you're talking about in the Telegraph the, 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 the article on bleaching I had all the things you were talking about. At that point I did an awful lot of class A's and I had tremendous angst and suicidal thoughts and also as you read in the article, my nephew, my little brother, yeah. committed suicide, which is why I built Talent House. You see how it works. He was an artist who could not could get through. And in that period, which was right when the article was written, I think it just happened, I was very destructive. Like, I woke oh, up I... in hospitals, and, and, I, you know, and I had... It's amazing talking about this now. I had no idea. Like, I remember waking up in a hospital on a drip and being like, where am I? And they were like, you know you've done X, Y, Z, you were found here, and I was like, okay, I'm gone. Pull yeah. the stuff out of my arm, get yeah. up, walk out. And literally within an hour, I'd be doing it again. Yeah. And so I understand definitely the self-destruct. Yeah. And, and it's exacerbated so much by cocaine. Right? It's such a God, dark It's such thing. an evil drug. Oh. You never shot it or anything, though. Just no, no, only because... Again, I don't want to sound like... I don't think there's any separation between the crackhead and the, the lawyer who's an alcoholic. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just where and how you're doing it. I, yeah. for example, convinced myself for many years, you know, I drank Chateau Lafitte and I, it, it's the same thing. Yeah. What's the difference? At yeah. the end of the day, I'm trying to switch off my cortex yeah. and get to midbrain yeah. and act pretty much in an animal state, which yeah. is where you see all the sexual behavior when people are high, which just... I mean it's another big thing is to find balance when you're sober you mentioned in one yeah. of the things it's really funny being single for like years since you got sober let's not get depressing oh I, yeah I don't think it's depressing I think that you could do some work on that oh I do you're a beautiful woman I don't think that it's you it's not you know what I mean but it's also yeah. the truth Tell is with that. that is that you know I have some standards you of know course. the whole thing about the road getting narrower is that and, and I'm very independent like I'm much happier on my own than I would be Fair. selling out the way a lot of people see. Very you. big point, and almost a completely different thing because yeah. there's a whole culture which is very strong in LA of what I call the deal. It's like there's this woman and this guy, and she's done this to be in this place, and he's yeah. going to provide you with this. And then, the, you know, it, it's, it's such a I love this city. There's so, so many great things. I agree. Creative energy. Yeah. You know, and, and also everyone's an immigrant, right? Virtually no one's from yeah. here. So, yeah. on the other hand, because of the entertainment industry, the good stuff is the creativity and the bad stuff is that it's a very chauvinistic, male-driven, thousands of young women coming through. And it, materialistic. Know? It's like I was set up on a date. A friend uh-huh. set me up on a date with a guy who had his own plane. Like I remember I was going to New York that week and he said, <laughs> you can come on my plane. And not only did I knock on the plane, 
I didn't go to a movie with him when he asked me later. I was like, I'm so phenomenally not attracted to this guy, and I don't know how to do that thing you that I think. Did. Okay, but that's because you're well. I mean, the thing but is, that is because you're well. Just, I wish I was less well. I wish no, that I could have taken that ride. You know what people plane. say that I, I my wife telling me because she obviously was was in media for a long time and she had a lot of those sort of situations and she's like, yeah, she's like, I can't do that if yeah. I don't. But I just think that's really well balanced. I think that's something to celebrate. And, it know, is. It yeah. is. But it's unfortunate that in our society, it's considered like what's wrong with that girl Maybe as opposed to what's part right of society with that you're talking girl. About. It's only a part of society. I think I you'll know. find that real, genuine people are awake and connected. Our purpose in life is to connect, right? Yeah. It's what you do so well. It's what you're doing Thank this you. for. And that's what you're doing here, right? Yeah. And so your primary connection other than God is with the person that you love and make love with. And yeah. this is a serious thing. And by the way, I had very little understanding of this before I got sober. But you but you're step. still with you but you got married before you got oh, sober. Oh yeah, we went through we were crazy Did too. you get She's sober together? Different times. She was sober before me and uh-huh. she she had a I think probably a rougher time but she's an amazing human being and she's she's energy, you know. She's yeah. she also professionally in her career was responsible for signing a lot of major artists and, and helping change the radio system in the UK and, and get bands like The Prodigy and JK playing. So she is talented. Yeah. She's always been that person. She's always, Lisa's connected to loads of musicians and artists and photographers and, and she that's her thing. So she and I are so naturally kind of you, aligned. The sa- yeah. yeah. And so when she mm. was sober and you were not, was that what was that like? That was a nightmare. Like? It's really good you raised that. I, well, I didn't understand yeah. sobriety or the yeah. 12 step thing so I was drinking but you see I, like I said very controlled so right. I, I'm a guy you thought you were fine oh of course I did I thought yeah. I was great yeah. Yeah, no, I thought I was really a great guy yeah. and I sit there and I was so bad I'm not doing drugs now right. so he goes and I bet you don't miss drinking either wow, you go sit down that's horrible looking back at it now that I've, I've had some awareness and exposure to the 12 steps first thing is you've got to remove all that stuff from around you So, but I genuinely you know, do you not think sometimes when you talk to people about steps, it's like talking to someone in Japanese when they don't speak Japanese. One of the problems yeah. with, with me is once I have knowledge, I assume other people have it. Right, right. I, do, I think I do the same Q, thing. We all do it. Yeah. I was it at the agency. My, my ex-boss was like, you know, you walk into a room and you start talking. They don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> what is it I'm trying to say? So, again, if you look at America... And I, I love America. Yeah. And the best in the world, so it's the most amazing place for a lot of serious reasons. It's not a flippant thing to say. But basically, it's self made, right? It's very yeah. young. Everybody built everything by hand. Yeah. And the art of it, or the essence of it that I see from the outside, is that they make incredibly complicated things simple and they work. So I know the Senate may not seem simple, but it's the most effective form of democracy devised, right? right. Something that started thousands of years ago, and it, you know, it is what it is. Or capitalism, or banking, or right. technology in Silicon Valley, or the movie industry. It's the American thing. Take something, figure it out, make it work. Yeah. So when I look at the 12-step program, having spent probably 15 or 20 years with Taoism and Buddhism, I have a long history with the whole martial arts thing, I see the same thing that, yeah. that he managed to take something that you could do in literally if you do it hard 12 months and the transformation way, yeah you could do it in a day Thank that's you. what they did in the Big old days review. So yeah. I'm, I'm a guy that does one two and three with someone at a table in an hour yeah give me five examples of one yeah right? exactly and then i'm like step four let's go that's what i think uh, i don't know if you ever saw that movie clean and sober yeah i loved it such a good movie i loved that movie i watched it again the other night it's yeah 
It's a, well, yeah. such a great the premise. Movie, right? Yes, it's He's such a great premise. But it's like, let's get a guy who's hiding out in rehab and yeah. show that, I mean, what a message, that like, if you're hiding out in rehab, you're going to learn about a new way of living and you're going to get well. I mean, it's so good. But um, it, that, the way that, like, he starts doing the steps, he meets with a sponsor and he goes, sponsor, the first thing he says is, you're going to make a list of all the people you resent. I'm with you. And by yeah. the way, so this is a good tangent, right? It's a, I'm loving this conversation. Yeah. That is... I got to be very careful. I have very little authority here. Do you know what I mean? As so, do I. Right. None of us have. But I don't agree with the. the okay. Do you know this whole story about rehabs, right? The, 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 Which there story? Was a, well, there was a ninety percent or ninety-five percent success rate with Bill and Bob, right? It was everybody got it, yeah. right? And, and remember, these guys—they were waking them up in sanatoriums on a bed. They're about to die. It's like, do you want this now? And the ones that were like, yeah, they did the steps in seven days, as I understood it, to two weeks. That was it, and right. then they carried on straight into service. Right, so then I was told, and this is probably convoluted, that the overflow and the build led to treatment centers where people would because they couldn't deal with that many people. And I know the original ones that like Hazeldean are really hardcore, and, and I'm pro a lot of rehab. I think if you cannot get a day, it's a really good idea to go somewhere for a month, yeah, and have stability and structure and understanding, yeah. But what I really don't understand is how you can spend 90 days somewhere and not do step one, two, three, and four. You come out, I don't understand what you, it's like, I don't understand the idea of spending two years doing the steps. And yeah. Because surely the essence is in four and five, right? One, two, and three are decisions. Well, yeah. Four and five are written. Let's say through nine. That's what I was going to say, hold yeah. on. And then six and seven are decisions and eight and nine are actions. Yeah. So four, five, eight, and nine with... Let me get this right, so I'm not getting this wrong. Uh, a permanent amends is ten every no, day. That's oh yeah, yeah, regular constant well, contact, which I'm on, and then with, constant contact is eleven. That's right. So yeah, ten yeah, yeah. is basically a living amends. Isn't yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Every yeah. day, we, track what, what have we done wrong? Yeah. All right, and then what are you doing? Sponsoring. Yeah. All right, and as soon as the sponsoring, which really for me is what keeps me in, in it, yeah, is that I have to sit down and go over it with someone and take their calls and yeah. listen to what they're saying. And it, it helps to prevent me from being an arsehole. Because yeah. when I'm saying you shouldn't do this, right. or we don't lie, I can't lie. Much right. as I want to. Right. All the time. Right. I'm like, uh, okay. And this then bleeds into everything, right? Your personal relationships, your relationships with men and women, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your business. And so American Enlightenment, you know, that that's what I think. That's why you and I were talking about whether there was a way to make something like this that explained it because right. no one knows <laughs> I know I know I mean like I don't know about you but mm. I had been given rules for a living that were very different from the rules that I saw on a banner when I first walked into mm. the rooms and and they were revolutionary it was like what mm. I'm this miserable because I think about myself all the time mm. I'm gonna feel like I, in when I'm mad I need to look at my part like it I it was revolutionary and and, and yes, everyone can benefit from it. Oh, but what I was going to say also, this kind of ties in, is, you know, the low bottom and then the 95% success rate, 12 step had, what, 100 people yeah, in you're it? Right. So when you Tiny. open it up to millions of you're people, right. they're going to be way And there's another thing we more should throw in there. Can't. You know, rarely have we never seen and yeah. the, the great saying that he would only change one word in the book, yeah. which was to. What was, was the word? So, rarely have we seen a person fail. And he's, who was per- who has who, who has thoroughly followed this path? Only yeah. those poor unfortunates who are incapable of being rigorous and self-honest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, apparently, Bill Wilson said on his deathbed he would change it to never. So I want to add to that. No, it makes sense. 
I've never seen anybody go through the steps and practice them and relapse. But I've seen loads of people either, well, the majority just not do them. Yeah. Get to four or five and stop. Yeah. Or don't do them. Or don't do anything. At all, right? Yeah. So that's done. You, you, you're basically going to be able to not drink for a period of time and then something's going to happen and you're going right. to lose, right? Right. Or do what I feel is always far more likely to me is to, to practice it and then practice it in reverse. Because, you know, if you look at relapse, you go backwards. You... If you, if you go from step 12, uh, uh, sought to help others, yeah, then prayer oh, yeah. and constant contact, then you stop taking the daily amends, yeah. you go backwards. Right? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, end yeah, up taking yeah, your yeah. power back in step yeah, yeah, one, yeah, I'm yeah. not powerless, that's the moment before you drink, I got this. right? So what I'm saying is, I think what he meant is if you are thoroughly following and living inside this philosophy, is is very, like, I don't, thank you God, and I mean this, have the desire to drink yeah. and I've had deaths and I've had all the stuff that we've had it doesn't happen and that I want to stress that anyone who's listening to this is a miracle because I could not get 24 hours Right. I could build companies and box 10 rounds and do all the things I've done in my life and you know I've hit, but I couldn't get 24 hours on my own Right. so it's not me it's right. me I- I, and I've had the same experience same and it's and it's I hate the word miracles that's so no, cheesy no it's good and it's why yeah. you're here and it's why you're doing this right? yeah I, I mean it. yeah it just it doesn't make any sense and when you know people were like you know I'm a scientist brother he's like prove to me that there's a God you know <laughs> and I'm just I said first of all I can't prove it uh-huh. but my life is a lot better when I believe there is so you know the Einstein question is this a benevolent universe it's a trick question it was one of the last things he asked so mm-hmm. it's, it, it's your choice mm-hmm. you know you could even believe I absolutely found something you'd written and connected with you through what you wrote and feel that we're meant to be having this conversation now and it's just a great feeling because I know that that happened like I know that the guy I did step work with I was meant to have that conversation with him and then three things happened today in order and so I'm looking for what people term miracles but they're not they're universal intention universal intention quantum energy God, Hebrew meaning the word, right? Not man or sentient being or punishing figure. I'm sitting in energy. The only reason I can't see it is I'm having Amos's experience, which is a little blip, right? right? But so, not my soul, a soul, right. soul of the world, right? right? I get to be a little part of it, like a glass containing the water but surrounded by the ocean. Right. And so all it comes down to is what am I going to do with this energy in the short time I have? Right. And I think for those of us who are blessed with the curse of alcoholism who have found sobriety, because this is like if I wasn't an alcoholic, I wouldn't be having this conversation, right? We are hopefully filled with a desire to just give it to somebody else, you know? And that's why I want want to talk to you offline about how you do that with the 12 steps, because you know they apply to everything. I know. That's the problem. I know, know? and I just think, Mm. yeah, I mean... I think that the word powerless is so misunderstood. Agreed. Agreed. You know, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine, and he he's not sober, but his best friend is sober, and he told me that the best friend has become more of an asshole to him since he's been sober. <laughs> and what this guy yeah. theorized was that, that he's like, I just don't like this idea of being powerless. And I sort of yeah. was like trying to explain that, but I couldn't. You know, because it's not about powerlessness. It's about connecting to all power. Well, yeah, because as you said, if we do this, we can do anything. That's right. So how are we... We're not saying we have no power. We're saying, I believe, it's a fascinating thought process that you're on here. We're saying 
until I genuinely feel humility. So a guy said to me, humility is only the understanding that all things come from God. Wow. Uh, because it's really hard yeah. to define. So all it is is, whether it's the music or what you're writing that's coming through you or the fact that you're not dead and you're sitting there having this conversation, like, what is it? Right. If I really believe that I created Talent House, I'm an idiot. Right. It's such a big thing with so many moving parts and brilliant people all working on it way smarter than me. What I got to do was channel the energy of the idea. Right. So if that, we're coming back to having this, this piece of energy in my experience or yours for a short period of time, what am I going to do with it? That's all right. it is. Right. That's all it is. Okay. So absolutely, in order to access that connectivity to everything, to right. the thing that spins the planet, yeah. the thing that moves the stars, yeah. the real stuff, right? The sun's going to set tonight. It's got nothing to do with me, but everything to do with me. Right. So in order to access that, I'm going to have to kneel down. That's the point. I'm not going to be able to get it by swinging my arms in and swaggering in and yeah. going, me and God, I'm going to have to have some, what's the roomy thing? Sell all your cleverness and purchase bewilderment. I've never heard that. That's it. Right? Right. It's like, I cannot grasp right. or comprehend. If we sit down here and just begin to talk about the cosmos, we get lost in five minutes. Right. right. Uh, or the other one is the, the opening lines of the Tao Te Ching. It's translated in different ways, but it's that, let me get this right. Okay, the nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of 10,000 things. As soon as I try and explain God, we're off. Right. It's lost. Right. But once I accept the nameless is the beginning of heaven, these things are moving around me, then your entire thing becomes how do I connect with it. So you're right. We're not powerless. Yeah. We are part of a mighty, mighty force of cosmos. Yeah. And plugging into that, and how well you connect with that is going to define the quality of your experience on that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, okay, two things. Yeah, please. One thing I heard in early, early recovery, which from a guy I didn't even like, but I, I but mm-hmm. I remember him saying this and me really connecting with it. He said, this, was, this really dates when I got sober, he said, I look at my VCR and I don't need to understand how it works. I don't need to know <laughs> why you put a tape in and it Brilliant. plays on a TV. Why would I need to understand how God works? Brilliant. Can't I just, you know, accept right. it? He's absolutely right. Do you not think the real issue is the, is the thousands of years of conditioning that God is a sentient being or even the term he? Right. You know, which right. I'm fine with, by it the way. It doesn't bother me. but it's somewhat... Hilarious that the idea that the figure would be male. Why? Why would an all-knowing universal consciousness, where the Bible not written by men, who also told us that we'd given up our third rib to create women so they'd forever be in our yeah. Plus, if someone was trying to get someone to sin in the garden, wouldn't that be the guy? I mean, I just, just look yeah. at the way bars operate. So yeah. I'm being very flippant. But what I mean is I think maybe the struggle with God is the years, thousands of years of conditioning of a punishing father figure. Absolutely. Whereas if you just say intelligent design, we can get to an argument about that later, you know, because everyone's like, well, is it intelligent? Right. It's more intelligent than me. Yeah. I don't put stripes on bees. I don't arrange the way things grow or die. Right. It's so, the synchronicity, you know, right. the vastness of connectivity. Right. I'm just fucking overjoyed to be part of it. I don't right. need, like you said, I don't need anyone to think, well, okay, I'm here. Yeah. This is it. Right? Yeah. This is it. Right but now. The, the challenging part is mm. to stay connected, as ah. you sort of alluded to. Hence physical sobriety, the doorway. Well, but even the with physical sobriety. You got it. Only the first half of step one mentions alcohol. Yeah. It's not anywhere else in the other 11 steps. Yeah. Because the steps are steps to lead us to freedom. Yeah. 
there's one line in the book and rocket into the fourth dimension yeah once yeah what's that about da vinci code stuff think about it right why would you say that once randomly in a book written in the book because he knows that the fourth dimension is something that i cannot explain but i know what it is i had it when i was incredibly high right and right. i had it well, today riding my bike in on the pch having done step work with a guy on the way you know right. looking at the ocean feeling everything at once yeah and i don't get that in more than milliseconds right and i believe that the people we look to body dharma in like they lived in it they found a way to stay there right i'd imagine it would cause me to blow up if i lived like that but i don't know that i would want to i don't think so either i kind of like our worldly world i with, love our world you know what i mean like i, I like that you know and, and that's something that I, i'm really inspired by you it's like i I don't need to, you know, it, like have this power so that I can go sit on a mountaintop. Yeah. What about using you it to build us. great things? You what about, us. yeah, what about, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And that is something I will say that, mm-hmm. you know, I I used to just think I didn't care about money at all. It's just like, you yeah, know. I'm with you. That's another one. Keep going. Yeah. But, and so, and I just was like, I just don't care. Why else would I try to be a writer? You know, mm-hmm. like you can't care about money and, and want to be a writer. Of course, you're an artist first. Prime, well, that's your primary, right? But it's the yeah. artist that's never, it's like she's starting to be a poet. Like you're never, I didn't know this at the time, mm-hmm. but with the kind of writing I was pursuing, I was never going to get rich. Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, a couple years ago where I had been through horrible work situations mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? I do care about money. Of course. I do. I don't want to be working for people who are going to get rich off of what I do. Well, this is a whole... Now, now you're in it. This is the entrepreneur thing. Yeah. Right? Which is the, the, the great scam, or certainly the great illusion that I bought into, was that people knew... So everybody's smart. Let's just break this down. Secondly, everybody's stupid, right? So right. The, the, it's all quotes, I know, but the, you know, the man who knows, knows he knows nothing, which is... Hope it's Socrates or Plato. It's one of the two of them. It's huge, right. right? You go into a recording studio with an amazing artist, and they blow you away. And you go to Silicon Valley, and you sit with a young tech guy. who I based out there when I first moved to the states to build a company, and they blow you away. Yeah. But you take that person and you put them on a city block on a street corner, and they can't get out. Yeah. Or you take the musician and you put them in a rocket science lab. He doesn't know what's <laughs> happening. So knowledge is specialist and selective. Right. So one of the first things I bought into that was erroneous is that people really knew what they were doing. We're all bluffing. Right. Really big people, and I know really big people. Yeah. Like massive are bluffing yeah. they're still figuring it out they're still working out what they're doing so now this opens a whole new door for us and our listeners right yeah. you can do absolutely anything yeah. and it's an illusion that you have to get to a certain place to do it Yeah. so the people that break through those illusions the Steve Jobs the Bill Gates the Bob Marley's the Bob Dylan's are people that just follow their path they're like yeah. I'm doing this Yeah. the second part of what you said and the second part of my sobriety which may sound strange is Tony Robbins Anthony Robbins right. huge influence have on you life. done those seminars well, I, I've done done all the written work way before I got sober yeah. I did all the books which helped me get sober and yeah. I used the personal power CD thing I think you can get on iPads now for three years on repeat I mean I can wow. pretty much quote them transformational human being one of the things he says at the beginning is if you're reading this and you're looking for something if you're reasonable intelligence and you for example are clearly intelligent as a given then you should have financial independence this is yeah. really interesting yeah it's like, well, why wouldn't you? What's the point of being really smart right. but being really broke? It's like, well, you right. haven't used that part of your mind correctly because right. money is energy and what money does is buy you time. That's it. Right. 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 All kinds of time. Amazing experiences or just time. I right. don't want to do that. Right. I want to pause. How can I help that person? And 
recently with the turn of events with great philanthropists, the Warren Buffetts. You know, I read yesterday that Bill Gates is vaccinating 850,000 children a week. Jesus. And people are like, oh, he's evil. Really? Yeah. What did you do today? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. have I done? I gave you guy like 10 bucks outside. Yeah. The ability to help, yeah. which is generated by the creation of wealth as well, and do things. So you should feel nothing except a relaxed sense of mission towards finance in the same way as you do to your psychological well-being. Right. Oh, I want to keep my body fit. I right. want to make money to live. It's all good. Yeah. You must take away that artist thing, which I grew up with. I which know. Is, I'm a pureanist and I can't, you know, it's like... But know. I didn't think like that. No, I, I, didn't even, I wasn't yeah. even practical enough to think like that. But also, I know so many smart writers uh-huh. who are broke. Yeah. Yeah. So it's many. Partly why we built talent now. So I agree that there's not enough opportunity for the creative. Yeah. I mean, I think we live in the greatest period for creativity since the Renaissance because of the internet, right? Yeah. Although it seems like chaos at the moment, anyone can make anything. And now you're seeing Maker Studio and, and you know, to, uh, divisions of Instagram. But also, I just met with an animation group that are crowdsourcing huge movies with blocks and animators from all over the world and then vetting them and putting them into, you know, this is an amazing time. The yeah. stuff we're talking about is totally impossible, right? Yeah. Um, and, and what you've done, and the whole idea of correlating writers and blogs, and this is all new. I mean, yeah. we're all relaxed about it, right? It didn't exist 10 years ago. I know. Nothing. I know. So I think the potential for the creatives to actually, Townhouse's model is to be seen, be heard, be compensated. We use brand-sponsored capital to pay the creative community. But not writers who write articles and well, books. Well, interestingly, you should say that it's difficult because it's not a visual medium, so that's much better for BuzzFeed and but all of that stuff, you know what I mean, on yeah. HuffPost. They, keep, know, they yeah. keep the writers broke, too. HuffPost doesn't even pay anybody. I know. So, so now you've got a huge thing. Go ahead. Go on. Yeah, yeah. so, oh wait, but I was going to say something so important about... Um, I was going to say you should start an alternative half post that pays writers because I think I position. have but it's only yeah. addiction and recovery okay so now you need to much. open it up yeah to what? to writing about anything you're, you, look, you're already there you just you just nailed the problem because you're right bigger though yeah. like you know it's, it's, it's a scale thing you know there's yeah. this great article uh-huh. out there that Kevin Kelly who started Wired Magazine yes. wrote and it's called A Thousand True Fans uh-huh. and it basically says as a creative person you don't have to be famous mm-hmm. to make a great living mm-hmm. all you need is a thousand people who Good will point. buy everything you do Good point. and and I've got about six. Right. So I've got a way to go. No, no, no. But also, you, you, you must be caught in quite a difficult dilemma, which is that I, I've spoken with you, and I know you have genuine humility. I can hear it. We talked about other things right, right, outside right. of this. And the dilemma is you have to promote yourself, and it's very hard. Oh, I'm so into promoting well, myself. Well, I mean, Make I, no mistake. You should be at big AA conferences, surely talking about this to 2,000 people and saying, this is what I do, and do you want to help me do it? Yeah, that's complicated. Uh, they, no, 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 they don't let okay. you do that, AA, oh, Scott, yeah. because it's, 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 it, it runs it's so well. Yeah that True. who am I to, to say oh it, they should let people go in and promote websites no I hear where you're going I just think that we started on this way back right how many people do you know who are not in the program who understand the 12 step program none nobody yeah right but the 12 step program is is shortened enlightenment it would benefit anyone if you replace yeah. the words we admit we were powerless over alcohol or drinking with thinking. We admit we were powerless over our thinking and our lives have become unmanageable. You get the human condition. 
know. And I feel like we're not given it. It's like no. I do this with pretty much everyone I meet. Like right. one way or another, right. we end up talking about a very. Do they bit. get it? They want it. Yeah. They don't just get it. They're like, how do I do this? Well, this is the, what I see as the major come. problem. Yeah. No, yeah. that you don't, you won't do these radical things until you're, you're in your so knees. much pain. A lot of people are in pain; they're just not in pain. They're not in alcohol. so much Agreed. pain. You're, well, you're, you're talking about the premise of revolution. There's never a revolution until people are starving. Yeah. Then everyone always says we should change the government. It'll never, it only happens in history when people are literally dying in the street. You I, know won't, I, mean? I won't change my behavior <laughs> until I'm until absolutely miserable over it. You know. You know what? You are so right. And I, it, 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 it's okay. You know, I, I'm not smart enough to solve this problem. I do know that more people would benefit from access to the 12 steps. I know. I'm clear I know. about it. I know. know. I know. Yeah, I know. It's like you can get the whole world to do yoga. I mean, at least a lot of the world. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not like... I'll tell you something. Mm. Party Girl, when I first wrote it, they, the She's first note I got back... Thank yeah. you. That yeah. When I first got notes from yeah. my editor, who was lovely, she mm-hmm. said, you got to take the God stuff out. <laughs> and I go. said, I said, fine, I don't care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, whatever, two years later, a book, you know, causes a sensation called Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then I'm like, that I pray in the title. All the way through it. That's the problem with book publishing is nobody knows anything. Truly, it's the same. Just a lot. Of, a lot of the creative industries are like that. Except, a high level, it's a lot of guts. Right? Except yeah. there's no tracking. You know, there's. It's the only creative business where literally there's no whatever you call it. Like what do they call? Uh, you know, oh, I know what you mean. Like marketing, tracking, and, and uh, group mm. group testing. And yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Just out there. They just throw a bunch out there, and then suddenly. Eat, Pray, Love gets on Oprah and yeah. it's whatever. Yeah. By the way, what Elizabeth Gilbert says about creativity keeps you. you, you I've thought of it several times mm-hmm. while you've talked because yeah. while I wasn't crazy for that book, she has a TED talk mm-hmm. where she talks exactly that that she's not a genius. That this. I'm going to send you the email. I'd love to see. Yeah, it. I, yeah, I'm going to send you the link. I'd love it's to it's, see it's that. a fascinating talk. I mean, the funny thing is, is that the more you push towards that idea in yourself, because obviously you can say it out loud, it makes you sound like. In my case, it's like, oh, I'm really humble. It's not. Right. The more I think, I get this all the time, you know. I think I had it today at one point. I was, sounds strange, I was walking towards, you know, I love cars and bikes and I used to race and all that stuff. And I was walking towards the bike and I had a moment where I was like, yeah. And as soon as I feel like, I was like, ah, hang on a minute, God, right? Yeah. First of all, what am I doing here? I'm on the west coast of America, going to have this beautiful ride into this building where people can sit around talking about how to really find the product and the offering we're doing because I'm taking it to companies that I used to dream about talking to. Where am I in all this? Right. And the answer is, I'm not the guy swaggering. Right. Uh, and, and it's very difficult for me because I, you know, my early years I was raised by Jamaicans and swagger's what we do, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? The whole right. thing is like, wow, well, you know what I mean? Move out of the way and I'm coming through. And, and there's a beauty to that too and it's fun. But it's not real. The truth is, yeah. Well, I don't you think that yeah. possibly? I mean, there's no yeah. humble way to answer yeah. this question. But the, the the reason for a lot of your success is that you can combine the swagger with yes. the humility. Yes, and let, let me let me say that because again, it makes me say this is very difficult it. to say. Yeah, okay. The swagger I don't even know I have. That's the weird thing. So the other day I, I went somewhere uh, to another place, and they, and they were like. Like I walk stupidly. I'm not aware I'm walking stupidly, right? They're like, right. why do you walk like that? So the point is, yes, that I was raised in a certain part of culture, very separate from mine, from my mother and fathers, who were basically intellectuals. Right. Uh, and it was beautiful, and it was expressive and soulful, and very physical. Right. And language, the second language we all spoke was music. Right. That's what I realised early on. My my foster brothers who were all older than me. 
my father and mother split and they moved into my house, actually into my bedroom. There were like three or four of them. And they were like 15 to 19 when I was like 10. And obviously I've worked this out since then. I was looking for a father figure because my dad had gone. Right. And they, they were, what they did is they talked in music. So everyone was very tough and physical. I was like a skinny little kid. A couple of them were from remand centers. They were those guys, right, from right. the projects. But they played music the way they talked to each other. There was always music playing. And a lot of it was real soft and beautiful and funky and soulful and what's going on. Early Studio One reggae music. And it's actually very emotional. And that language was the language that we all spoke, that I still speak. This is my second language is definitely music. Right. You know, it's how I relate to everything. It's how I think of things. And so encapsulated in that, in the inner cities, is dancing and fighting and physical expressions. You right. know what I mean? Which basically are all you have. Looking right. back at it now, I'm like, that's what you are, right? You're what you wear, you how you move. Uh, and, and there's a degree of risk in those neighborhoods. And, you know, right. it all ties into one sort of thing. So... Yes, the gift they gave me, and I would not be building a collective for artists, not for these people. I wouldn't understand right. that they were more talented than me and that I got a break because of Boy George, which was luck or God, and I wouldn't understand. Ish. But, you know, honestly, the talent that I grew up with, uh, some of it, Nick Knight, John Galliano, those guys took over, and George, the Blitz lot, you know what I mean? Right. They were amazing, and Barry would sort of endorse them, and it was all of that. And then the other side, which is sort of the African-European experience I had with projects, you know, most of those guys, not all of them, but a lot of them were decimated by crack cocaine and right. would never, you know, when you live in that environment, you don't think you're ever coming out. You don't think about being out. You don't know what out is. When you see kids killing each other over a corner, it's because they believe that corner is the universe. And I'd lived where I thought that corner was the universe. You know, when I was little, I, it was important to me to not be a bitch and to not punk out and so right. you know, I carried a knife I was like 13 right. you know but, but that's and I was terrified yeah. and I'm telling you all those guys my brothers and sisters who were there they're terrified right. you know the gangster thing is a whole other conversation it's, it's an illusion you well know? that's like I mean this is mm. not really the same thing but no. it's you know when I see people all tatted up with sleeves yeah. I think oh you're telling me you're scared Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful that's what they're telling me that's so beautiful because why else would Body art. I'm not a big tat guy, but I get it. It's I don't a, know. I think you'd put art somewhere besides all over your body. This is just my <laughs> opinion. Nobody killer, agrees with yeah. me, possibly. No, I think that tattoos are a really personal thing. I'm coming from a different place. I've got a small one that took me like 10 years. I put one when I was 20 something years old. I wouldn't do another one. I was yeah. really tempted to put serenity on my chest after yeah. a few years, but yeah. then I thought that's really tempting fate, right? You yeah, you're gonna at some point you may be stumbling around looking yeah. serenity. Yeah, but um, but I think tattoos are really personal. It's not for me. Anything that permanent is a different deal. However, I think it looks really beautiful, and and you look at someone. I just watched this. I'm just thinking about tattoos because I watched this. Uh, and if you saw the documentary with David Beckham about this, yeah. it's really good. He came over so well. Yeah, and I was like something I would never watch. It's yeah, like, why would I watch this? But it was really interesting. It was about celebrity. Yeah, really, and his desire to go somewhere to get out of. Interestingly, he took a camera crew with him, but it's yeah. worth seeing. Yeah, you, hey. you see it. You know, it's the, yeah. the most interesting documentary mm. I've ever seen so, about celebrity was that one of, with the backup singers. Oh, that's great! Twenty, 20 feet, feet from, from Stardom. Stardom. Like when they had Bruce Springsteen and yeah. Sting talking, yeah. Yeah. and you're like, wow, that's what celebrities can sound like if they're not talking about themselves. Yeah. They sounded like the most beautiful, yeah. loving. Yeah. And and I'm not yeah. saying maybe the the two of them are the most beautiful, loving. We picked a good one. I mean, Springsteen. I think Bruce yeah. Springsteen is an enigma. Right? He's, he's the real thing now I saw him recently and I was thinking apart from being amazed as usual 
there's not really anyone like him left. I mean, he is yeah. a guy that comes on in jeans and a shirt. And how yeah. old is he? Is he 60? Maybe, I don't it's know. phenomenal yeah. energy and commune with the crowd and he has this ability to talk to 20,000 people like it's 10 people which is really difficult I spend yeah. a lot of time on stages when I was at a lot like thousands of gigs it's hard it's easy to go over everybody can't raise your hand it's very difficult to tell anecdotes to 20,000 right. people and you think he's talking to you right? Yeah. I yeah. mean I think he's a phenomenal writer the whole ghost of Tom Joad linked to Steinbeck you know the whole album that he did it was yeah. and his, his, his links to that book in everything he does and the great American struggle and now I, 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 again I'm getting, I'm getting caught up in wonder I'm always amazed we live in this world right, right. that these people exist yeah I know I know <laughs> okay question yes, though of course. So, okay, so you got in Culture Club sorry we're going so, to so I should clear that up yeah. I'm glad you asked that no what happened was George invited me to work with a band when they were very new because one the guy that had kids with my sister Mikey is the nephew that I talked about yeah. who later died he formed a band with George. He's a bass player. Okay. So that's how it started. And then I look really weird. I, this is 1980, 81. I had dreadlocks. I was 12, 13. Mm -hmm. um, I actually got a picture somewhere. I'll show you so you can see it. But I look like a freak. Right. Yeah, I didn't, you know. I, and then that was the time in England before festivals and crusties and all that stuff. So there was me. Right. As a white guy with dreadlocks. That was yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. literally me. And we spent a lot of time running away from Skinheads. That's what I remember about that period. So George asked me to work with a band. They were new. And we did. I did a lot of the early modeling stuff with them. All the stuff for the face and ID. Mainly because I looked like a freak. I want to be clear. I just looked but very But you weird. sang on I sang songs. in Jamaican on the first album with a really high voice. Captain Crucial. God, I can talk about that. Um, and I did the first three singles. And then my mother had a bit of a breakdown when she was pardoned during this court case to do with the refugees and moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico and took me yeah. three weeks before they released Do You Want to Hurt Me. Oh, wow. So I was sitting in the desert in Santa Fe with no black people, just me, and like no peers, no nothing, and they dropped that record and it went to number one in like 50 countries. Right. And so what was great in the end was... Firstly, I got an amazing education in New Mexico. That's where I met Native Americans and started reading the Tao Te Ching. Kind of woke up. Right, right. I was right. a little hood rat. And secondly, when I got back, George was so successful that he got me a record deal. Right, That right. was the story. I came yeah. back and he was like, put me in with Richard Branson. And right. This is my kid. Yeah. And we got signed on like an awful demo. It was great. It was the 80s. I gave us loads of money and I got the biggest shoulder pads. Like, I mean, really big. Like, <laughs> that was like, in the article. Yeah, like, huge. Like, empty price. Remember all the Duran stuff? Oh, this, do Those are yeah. the same designer. They're yeah. like, literally, you have to go sideways through doors. We look ridiculous. And, you know, I thought we were just the best thing. And I was a complete dickhead I mean I'm still a dickhead now but then I was a yeah, really yeah. pure ass. you know right. it's just so like of course this is my destiny yeah. of course I'm going to do this but you never had to lose it all yeah three or four times really absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, the first one was... How much time do you have, by the way? Well, no, it's you. On? Yeah, no, but I, I was told you only had an hour. So, I mean, so we got... Well, we just got to think about how we're coming to the end. We don't have to end. Well, I'll tell you what. In terms of losing it all, I've always lost it all. So <laughs> this is the thing. Really? That I, yeah. I mean, really, really. Like, I, I signed at 16, 17, and was signed till I was probably 19 or 20, which meant I never had a job. Yeah. Right? Um... And then I had my only job. I got dropped. I remember when the label dropped me. I was so shocked. Yeah. Of course they dropped me. I had so many records. I mean, right. I was a total monster. We spent 
fortune, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on making records. We had Hugh Masekela with us and Brendan Russell and the London. And my grandiosity knew no bounds. Right. right. I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. And, and, um, and so then I got a job for about six months in a sports shop. It's the only job I've ever wow. had, selling shoes. Nice. And all the guys that I was a dick to in my neighborhood would Walked come in, in put their shoes. foot down, and be like, give me a size eight. Yeah. They'd never buy them either, I'd have to put them on. Right. And, uh, and then I'd, I'd cut a record with George called Everything I Own, which was a comeback single for him. Uh, and they were playing it on the radio, it was a hit. And the guy came in from another band to get shoes, and he saw me, and the guy said, it's him on the radio. And I was yeah. like, hiding. And uh, this guy from the other band looked at me, and said, what are you doing here? And so I walked out, and I, I formed a band with Ringo Starr's son, with Zach yes, Starkey. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and we spent maybe two years writing demos, and that was where I really started to learn to be a musician. And, um, and Ringo had a, a house with a recording studio in it, and he was so good to me. He was like, you want to use the studio, use it. Yeah. So I went from being an entitled, signed little monster to go riding my broken 125cc motorcycle up to this house out in the middle of nowhere every day and studying the desk and learning. And so over time, we built it up and we signed in Japan and we became a very bad rock band, leather pants, Harleys, the whole deal, drinking habit, that's why we really started to drink. Uh, and then I got pneumonia and I nearly died and I did five days of that. Um, and then I came out of that and it was Acid House, it was 1988, George right. actually called me, George kept him in hospital, I hadn't seen him for ages, and he was like, you should be doing this. And I was like, I'm, I'm like a rap guy, man. Yeah, yeah, We had yeah. like big arrangements and a full-scale band. And, and he was like, no, listen to this. And then I went to one of the first Acid House clubs called The Trip in London in 1988 on Acid, mm-hmm. which is something that we never did. Like, you did Acid and went out in nature. Yeah. I was like, what are we doing? And I had the epiphany. It was like, wow, everyone was together. And it was amazing. And like thousands of people. So then I went on that route, and then I built that up and lost that. And then I built... So yes, to answer right. your question, all of them have gone like this. Yeah. I haven't managed to sustain this yet. But since you've been sober... Totally you, different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally different. Um, because I think of what we talked about, I've always felt a huge sense of gratitude. Yeah. Drunk or sober, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't this exciting? But I definitely didn't have the humility right. that I'm working on practicing now, which is where when you get great things you don't have to throw them away right or give them all away you could just sit with them and let them be great and you can remember that it's the universe's gift to you and not how thank you, know, you. not an entitled thing or something ah see and, yeah. and it's hard right you'd slip all yeah. the time all you know? the time and so a good example is you talked earlier we were talking about dating and standards yeah firstly you're absolutely right I've become really old fashioned in the way that I view masculinity yeah a lot of the step work goes back to the original Christian stuff and a lot of that is linked to the Knights Templar who also did terrible things but some of their stuff like you know the tenants um, protect the helpless always tell the truth even if it shouldn't mean your death do good and be upstanding so that God may love you those three things so protect the helpless always tell the truth and do good yeah you know this idea of being a knight links to the way a man behaves so it's not just holding a chair or pulling a door it's seeing a woman as sacred right so what I'm talking about is you were just talking about gratitude and humility it's bringing that into for example if you're sitting across the table from someone in a restaurant you are really aware of how beautiful this moment is right and I think that that we need almost a return to that kind of thing you know what I mean the opposite of I have a jet or I'm a badass I'm more like isn't this amazing I get to spend this time with you but don't you think that's that's the human struggle is that we're not built like that 
and so that's we're just not I mean humans are not like that yeah I think the problem is we got this this is like that isn't it and this isn't yeah so we're both things he's pointing by the way to different parts of the head oh good god I'm glad you said that yes I was saying we have cortex and midbrain what did you call it limbic limbic is the actual correct term thank you and so reptilian brainstem millions of years old yeah and, and the point is the reason god I'm going to take a jump here the reason we are chosen and let's be clear we're chosen right mm-hmm. we have Mozart and architecture and politics and we're clearly chosen we can all go no you know I love animals but you know dolphins have what we had they probably have tower blocks right let's be honest right no they're happy with it alright but they don't have this which is what right. is this choice yeah free will it's one word why Right, that's it right. the ability to ask why so right. you're right when you say aren't humans just like this I'm now pointing at Limbic yeah. and I'm saying no aren't they like this cortex but you're right they're both Yeah. so we come back to step work to condition my frontal cortex yeah. to control the impulses of my limbic brain yeah. which lead to things like chivalry compassion empathy service ultimately to put things before myself for right. it is by self-forgetting right. that one finds yes finances. which it's is my favorite the best. favorite line of my favorite prayer, favorite prayer. so i you say know? that prayer every morning i should it's not it's amazing because whenever i'm pissed i'm usually pissed in the morning yeah i start with lord make me a channel of peace i mean what a thing to do it's like what can i be can I be peace? Right. Not can Lord, Lord, can I have more money? Or Lord, you know, or Lord just make me a dude. Like, what's he say? Um, Grant that may say, what's the one for whether it's wrong? You obviously assume he's going to say, I may bring righteousness, but I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. forgiveness yeah. This is word for word, some of the most beautiful writing ever written. And then he says, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgetting. Yeah. No, for forgiving. self-forgetting that one finds. It's by forgiving that one is it's forgiven. forgiven. It's by dying that one awakens to another life. I'm, I assume the ego. Yeah. It's by dying that one awakens to another life. But grant them may seek to comfort rather than be comforted to understand rather than... It's amazing. Yeah. But the line for it is by self-forgetting that one finds could have come from Freud. That's what I find amazing. It's like so far back. Yeah. You know, and so articulate and perfect. Yeah. And we have... And you're right in terms of time. I'm just trying to think about it. Yeah, yeah, no. We we have an opportunity, right? Yes. The opportunity is to practice this. And in practicing this, everything else will happen around it. Yeah. And without practicing it, nothing else will matter. Yeah. So I think that's really where we came in, right? Yes, what a perfect, how perfectly (laughs) brought full circle. I love it. Yeah, so wow. Do you feel like we just kind of went to the mountaintop and got zen? That's sort of how I feel. What an inspiring guy. You heard it from him. We can do anything. Yeah. Famous Pizzy, After Party Pod.